Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Box Brooklyn. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 215. I am not joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, who is on vacation like a gigantic asshole. Who the fuck goes on vacation this summer, right? Nobody. Certainly not Knicks fans with podcasts who need to talk about Donovan Mitchell. But I am joined by a very special guest. His name is Jeremy Cohen. You might follow him on Twitter at the coincidence. Jeremy, how you doing? Good, Schwinn. Yeah, you know, unlike Prez, don't take a day off. <laughs> we just, we grind through the whole summer, literally, Prez, figuratively, Prez just a, Prez is just a, a free litter. Uh, it's unreal. Who goes, like, you know, this guy is going to fucking California. There's nothing out there. Nothing, nothing to see. Absolutely nothing. Before we get started, though, I have to get around to the Strickland as a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Circle every Friday that I do with Prez. You also get access to Drew, a.k.a. Doug's mailbag that he does every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Hunley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. You will also get access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I yell, rant, and rave about the Knicks even more. There's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like merchandise merchandise discounts, listening in on pod recordings as we did this past week, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Yeah, look, I we could talk about so many things, right? There's so many things to talk about right now. But uh, the one thing that is on everybody's mind is Zadar Mitchell. I've I, I did a little Twitter thread today, uh, which I actually think is appropriate uh, for this podcast. But like, I just wanted to get it out there on the record before any trade goes down because I've been thinking about it. I'm sure you have, uh, because I've listened to your podcast with Jonathan Macri over on Nick's Film School. Uh, you guys have also obviously focused on all kinds of elements of a potential Donovan Mitchell trade over the last few weeks. Uh, we've done the same over here. And like, I've gone back and forth and what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, I get the, the arguments on either side and I've vacillated, but. Ultimately, I think I just landed back on what I thought, what I've thought of Donovan Mitchell for a long time, which is that he is a really good player. He is not a player who's worth the type of price tag he was always likely to command in trade. Like, I know that the Gobert thing has made trade values more insane, but I kind of just think, like, you know, because we, we've talked about the, the Donovan Mitchell stuff is not a new discussion, right? Like it's been rumored for two years or however long since we hired Leon Rose and World Wide West. Like Donovan Mitchell was always one of the guys that they were linked with for obvious reasons, right? CIA client, a Leon Rose client. Um, it's obvious. And obviously he's also a very good player. That helps. And then all the Utah connections with, you know, guys like Johnny Bryant and uh, why am I Walt Perrin, uh, who is in the front office also like, there's just a lot of connections there. And so I just think that, like, ultimately, anytime this has come up, the conversation has always been uncomfortable, right? Like, is like, oh, R.J. Barrett. And two, I think two years ago, I remember one of the conversations people were having was like, well, would you go up R.J. in, like, three first? Which at the time, we had, like, the eighth pick, right? And a couple of were first. It's like, no. And now the conversation has kind of just evolved into what it is now. And I just think that the, the price tag we're talking about, which, like, just get it out there, I think for the most part, and agree or disagree with this, I know that you don't want to pay this price. But I feel like the price tag that I've seen out there that people 
Beal would get the deal across the line, done and finished, wrapped up in a bow right now. For the Knicks, is three unprotected first, Quentin Grimes or one of the other three guys, or one of the other two guys, so quickly, or, or Obi, but I think Grimes is the likely one. And then three protected first, which is effectively, you know, the 11th pick we had this year. So, like, I don't mind the protected first. I think saying three protected first sounds a lot crazier than it is, right? Um, I personally just don't think that price is appropriate for what he, for his standing as a player in the league. That's probably a better way of putting it versus what he is as a player. For his standing in the league, where he ranks among the NBA's best players. And that is just kind of where I come down on it at this point. I don't think he's worth it. And I don't think the price that I would like to pay, which would be like probably one less protected or one less unprotected first and not Grimes. Like, I don't know. I just don't see Ainge ever doing that. Well, for starters, I think you owe a very big apology to Jay Huff. He did not sign an Exhibit 10 contract with the Lakers today for you to just gloss over that. <laughs> so, um, rude. I was trying to figure out if, like, who, well, there, was a, there was a Huff in baseball, right? Aubrey, Aubrey Huff. Huff. Oh, like, he's an asshole. I was like, total. Yeah, I was, I was like, is that a relative? I, I, it could be. <laughs> Might be. Uh, hopefully, for, well, for one of the Huff's sake, they're not related to the other. Uh, obviously, it being Aubrey Huff not related to, to this Huff. Because, you know, um, so the what you're saying about Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks, I think, is completely valid. I guess the thing that kind of stands out to me, because like you, I left the basically after all um, after all the spending that occurred, it's kind of like, all right, the Knicks are in a good spot. You know, I personally would still like to see Randall be moved, but I could understand how he works here if this team is constructed as is. You know, have Grimes start Fournier off the bench. I think it makes a lot of sense to do that, and it's fine. Great. And then I can't help but think of, um, there's a John Lennon lyric in one of the songs, and it's, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. And that's how I feel like this whole Donovan Mitchell thing has come about, where at first I thought, oh, the Knicks clearly knew that Donovan Mitchell was on the, you know, at least potentially wanting to leave. And of course they would make these moves even with Jalen Brunson and size and all these factors. And then it seems like, well, maybe not. It might've been that afterwards it was really once the Gobert trade went down, that the jazz were clear about their direction moving forward. And you know this, cause I've talked to you and Prez about this, where my thought process going back, you know, six plus months was, all right, so, Quinn Snyder is not going to be here, right? And so this will probably be either his last year or he leaves and they hire a new coach and it's kind of like what we thought maybe Chauncey Billups was going to be like with Portland where then they sort of have like a fake good year and then they decide to tear it down. And instead it's just, no, no, we're going to commit to the rebuild. And it just feels like too much is going on for this trade not to happen. And I don't even mean that from like, this is what insiders are saying. Like, the, the stakes, you can kind of see it with both teams and the directions that they're going. Like the Jazz, if they stand pat, then they go into a season where they have the opportunity to basically join the Spurs as the ultimate tanking teams from the get-go, as opposed to what teams like the Thunder have been doing, which is, yeah, we're not going to be great, but then we're going to shut down our most impactful players and uh, we'll tank, we'll out-tank everyone. Whereas if you just get a head start, it's a lot easier. And even with some good talent on the roster that the Jazz would have, you know, like Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jordan Clarkson, whomever, really, they're still going to find a way to win some games, but not a ton. And you add Donovan Mitchell to that, and they're going to start winning more games than they probably can afford to. And trading Donovan Mitchell, one of the assets that you receive is the ability to tank. But then if you look at the Knicks' perspective, to me... You know, I, I know the thought process, like, I'm good with the Knicks. Stand pat, go into the season, everything's fine. But then I think about how there are 13 players signed to this roster right now. And you could make a compelling argument that all 13 should be in the rotation. But Jericho Sims isn't going to get time unless foul trouble or an injury occurs. So really, it's closer to 12. And if Rose is here, then yeah, like, he's going to get injured. It's inevitable. 
So then you have Deuce McBride, who's going to see some minutes, and you can live with that. So it's closer to 11. And then it's like, well, if you're keeping Emmanuel quickly, which the Knicks should do regardless, you're then in a position where you have Evan Fournier making $18 million and out of the rotation, or Cam Reddish in his contract year where you just traded a protected first-round pick for him. He's out of the rotation. You're not taking Quentin Grimes out, and Tibbs isn't going to run an 11-man rotation. Or what you could do is if Derrick Rose is hurt, then you basically don't put McBride in, and you have Fournier and Reddish together. And yet, you can't start the season assuming Derrick Rose is hurt if he's healthy. So, it just there are a bunch of different pieces that I feel like need to work their way out. And it's kind of inevitable that it's going to happen, but it just hasn't because it comes back to, as you're saying, the pick situation. For me, six picks, hard no. Absolutely not. Not worth it. And I say that as someone who does like Donovan Mitchell and is not even considering the defensive fit or the downside. I think there is still high upside on the offensive end. And I don't think the fit is as as important right now. We all say, well, the Knicks aren't a contender. Cool. The Knicks aren't a contender. We don't have to worry too much about fit. Let's at least let them play together and see what works. And just to be clear, when you say six picks, you're saying the three unprotected. Like, you don't care if they, if they did, like, two unprotected picks and all the protected picks. You wouldn't be, you know, exactly cr- going crazy about that, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's for me, it's less of it's less the amount of picks. I mean, six is still I'd be queasy, but if it were like four, all four protected first, and the um, twenty twenty four unprotected next pick and the twenty twenty six unprotected next pick, uh, I could do it. I'd say, you know what, it's Donovan Mitchell. I get it. That's fine, but it's not my preference. If you were to say like, well, what about three and three, three being unprotected, three being protected? I'd say nope, absolutely not. I can't do it. Like you would then have to say, well, what if it's 2023, 2025 and 2027? And I just point to the stepping rule that then says you can't trade that 2029 first for a while, or that's the only first you can trade. Um, you can't trade anything really in the meantime, unless the draft has already occurred. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to trade 2031 until the start of the, until after the 2023, 2024 season. Right. Right. So it just, it gums up the works. And if the whole thought process is, hey, it's not about Donovan Mitchell, it's about the guy after Donovan Mitchell, then you're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. So then it moves to, all right, well, what if it's five picks? Same thing. Um, I I can live with five picks. It's not my preference, but I think that's at least, it's got to sting a little bit in order to get this type of player. But that those five picks, it would need to be three protected. And it would have to be two unprotected picks. And again, the, the Jazz have three first-round picks this year alone. So they're probably not going to yeah. want the Knicks unprotected in 2023 or the Dallas 2023 protected because, well, why do they want four picks? It's tough to consolidate. And It'd be five picks. It, right. Like, that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's a ton to have to work with. And yeah. I just don't see them doing it. And as you said, having the ability to do a double double picks or at least two picks in every single draft from now until 2028 or so that I think really appeals to them. So it, it goes more like you have to find the right amount of picks in total. It's gotta be the right amount of picks that are unprotected by the Knicks and the right amount of picks that are unprotected by the Knicks in X years. So it doesn't infringe upon how the Knicks can get better over time. And you know, like I think the sweet spot is still Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, uh, Probably Derrick Rose because of salary, although I understand why the Jazz may not want to take on Derrick Rose. I don't really understand that, by the way, because, like, he's an expiring salary. And I get, like, they don't want to be good, and maybe he'll be good. I really don't think it'd be a crisis if they trade for him, and Danny and just like, look, bud, you don't need to come to Utah. Like, well, you do train in Chicago, hang out with your family, do what you got to do. When a trade comes along, we'll move you, and you'll be great to go. Like, I, I don't... I really like. I feel like that's the kind of thing where Ainge is acting like, "Oh my God, what am I like?" You know, it's like one of those things where he's like the Fournier thing, like, "Oh, this is salary. We don't want it. I don't care. You don't. You're not, you're not even going to hit the salary for it next year. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like millions. Like, shut upon, up. I mean, <laughs> they're like easily forty five million dollars as things stand below what the the salary cap would be. And I mean, there's time, but that's that's a crazy amount to be under. For a small market team yeah. that wants to start the rebuilding process, right? They're not going to be paying anybody next next summer. Like they're they're probably 
I would imagine all they do is like let. I think they're gonna They're gonna have a fire sale. Like the, the, the Beasley, to. yeah, Beasley, Beverly, Vanderbilt, Bogdanovich, um, Conley, Bogdanovich, Conley, like. Conley, I could see sticking around just because the contract is until weird. he's an expiring like, free agent. Or until he's an expiring yeah, contract. yeah, that right, right. It, it might, it might, it might take a little while. But like those other four, they're gone. They're out of here. There's no question that they're, they're they're not Utah Jazz for for very right. long. Um, and then like okay, so and he's not going to take long term money back unless it comes attached with like you know a first round pick, which I, I'm not sure. I would I would be really surprised if any team. Traded a first round pick for one of those guys, um, maybe Beasley, just because he's younger. But he'd have to really rehab his value. And does Utah really want to rehab his value? I don't think so. Um, I don't, not even rehab, but just up his value is probably a better word to use. Bogdanovich is older. Beverly is older. Like a few, three, four years ago, as expirings, yeah, you could probably get a first round pick for them. Now, I don't think so. And then Vanderbilt is like, I really like him actually as a player. But he can't shoot, and he's a, he's a four who isn't big enough to play the five. Like, there's just a lot of weird shit. You know, he's got to have a very specific type of fit. You know, like, I could see, you know, if you were the Wizards, right, would you trade, like, a couple second-round picks for Jared Vanderbilt because he might fit ni- nicely next to Kristaps? Sure. Yeah, I could see that. But, you like, they're not going to be motivated and they also are very restricted, uh, but like they're not going to be very motivated to trade a couple second round picks to go get or to trade anything more than a couple of second round picks to go get Jared Vanderbilt. So it's like I just I, I don't think he's going to take on salary for those guys. I don't think those type of deals will be available to him. Probably end up cashing in for a bunch of them for a couple of seconds. Maybe maybe Bogdanovich at the deadline or something like that could go for a first, I would be surprised given, again, the age and the fact that any team acquiring him is immediately going to have to make a decision on whether or not to pay him. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, the Rose thing, I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I know you're not saying, I, I feel like Ainge is trying to project that, oh my God, what am I going to do with Derek Rose and Evan Fournier? And it's like, dude, you'll probably just be fine. Like, you probably won't play them. Fournier, like, Fournier might play just because, he doesn't. He's not gonna like massively move your baseline, and if he's just out there putting up a bunch of threes, shooting forty percent on him, like you might get a team at the deadline that's like, you know what, we'll give you a similar length contract that sucks more. Uh, we'll give you a second, or like you know what I mean. Like there's there's a way to do a deal like that, right? Yeah, we'll give you a first, a protected first. You throw us a second and we'll do this trade. Like, I think that could happen, but they're not going to, like, he doesn't stop them from anything. Rose definitely doesn't stop them from anything because he's an expiring contract. He he effectively, they shave off even more salary long-term in that deal, right? Like, you, you'd basically take off $14 million of what would have been owed to Mitchell next year, right, with Rose's expiring. So, like, I don't know. The, the, I just think that shit is whatever. If Ainge is that pissy about it, I don't care. Like, you can, at the very minimum, you can agree to a deal and go find a third team and just be like, look, if you're just like, hey, look, does anybody want Derrick Rose? That's it. Does anybody just want Derrick Rose? You you will be able to make that happen. Yeah, and he's, a, he's basically expiring salary. And it's not like the Jazz would have to deal with him after this year anyway. They can, you have to deal with the issue of aggregation, but you're probably not going to aggregate his salary with another player like Beverly or Beasley or whoever it is. And if you are, then cool. You can just wait until the trade deadline to do it. You don't have to you don't have to worry about it. And I think that's also the benefit of a smaller market where no one's gonna be focusing on Utah. So you can do you can bury Derek Rose in the depth chart or any of these players and no one's gonna care. But it's also the flip side too with Fournier where here he was in the worst part of the season he was considered this uh, egregious contract. It's like, well, yeah, you, you just signed the deal. You're looking for instant value. It's a four-year contract. The whole point is you want to flip him later. And what's going to happen is he's going to go to another team like Utah, and all of a sudden, he's going to be incredibly underrated. It's like, oh, my God, look look <laughs> at Evan Fournier. Look at what he's doing. He's a higher usage player. Like You can talk yourself into that, and he's probably not going to get them more value than what he got the Magic which was two seconds. 
but just it seems like the the whole like take him away and put him in a different role where no one has to focus on him and we don't have to worry about his warts and it's just like well look at the shooting look at all these things um then it works out nicely for them and they'll do fine and they'll recoup other assets on top of that and that's cool for them that's great but it you know like the way that it works with the salary it has to be one of fournier and rose and then it has to like if it's rose then it has to be one of top and reddish if it's not going to be you know uh, randall which it's just not going to be and it's not going to be um, Barrett. Like that's not going to happen either. So the combinations you have to find they need to be right. And like, all right. So if it's not Fournier and it is Rose, are you including Cam Reddish? Well, it goes back to the whole thing of the Jazz don't want to pay anyone. Which, as we're just saying, it's ridiculous to me. Like Keith Smart, Keith Smart, Keith Smith put out how his like way too early cap space projections. There are five teams that are forty million dollars below the salary cap right now and then it all changed for sure but it's like i think people in the past have had this mindset of like yeah create cap space be bad and take on bad contracts and it's not that it doesn't work it does the thunder just did it with jamichael green but when you have more competition to take on these salaries then like other teams that are dumping them are gonna be like why should i pay a premium to dump this player to you when this team is saying hey you know like the Pistons said, we'll take $30 million in salary, pretty much. And you can give us five second-round picks, I think it turned out to be. Um, and that's fine by us, because now you can sign Jalen Brunson. And then I'm sure if you're the Knicks, you'd probably do that 11 times out of 10. Because is Jalen Brunson better than those three players that were given up? Yeah. And those five second-round picks, they're not going to really amount to much. So if you're Utah, you're trying to have this master class and asset accumulation, but you don't like you're like trying to galaxy brain yourself and it doesn't have to be the case. And it just goes back to the package the Knicks can offer where, okay, we're talking about a really good player. He's a star. Absolutely. Uh, I think the all NBA argument is kind of, it holds water and is silly at the same time because of how good the other players in the league are, but it's also a testament to, okay, well, why are you trying to extract enough value from Donovan Mitchell where you basically get me to pay the price of a Rolls Royce when, let's be honest, this, this is a Honda Civic. I, again, I don't mean that. Like, I'm not saying that he's a bad player. So maybe a Honda Civic's not the best example. Maybe it's more like, uh, I don't know, a Lamborghini. But is that that's cheaper than a Rolls Royce? I'm terrible with cars. <laughs> I'm a city boy. Whatever. You guys can you can make the analogy for yourself. But that's the thing where unless another team steps up right now and if they don't feel comfortable going into next year with Donovan Mitchell, then life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. That's just the way it kind of is. And if you want to talk, if you're a jazz fan, you want to talk yourself into like, hey, we can bring Donovan Mitchell back. It'll be fine. Cool. But you also have to consider you're going to get the same value the Knicks are offering right now. (laughs) And you don't have to risk messing up your tank and Donovan Mitchell, the risk of him getting hurt and hurting you is zero. There's just too many factors at play, and that's why I liked what Ian Begley was saying. The leverage right now probably is closer with the Jazz, but when the... I mean, they have the star player that other teams seem to want, especially the Knicks. But when it comes to training camp, and we get a Silas Harden situation, it's just awkward as hell. Like, what are you going to do? You're, you're then coming from a position of weakness because it's awkward. And it's better to just get this done before that starts, which is why I think it'll, you know, if it happens, and I think it will happen, it's probably closer to September by this point. Yeah, I mean, the the other thing, though, is like, I just, I feel like Danny Ainge has, I just think he's built this aura up, right? Of like, oh my God, he never loses trades. Oh my God, nobody gets value like Trader Danny gets value. And I, I, I think most of that is, bullshit it i think there's a variety of reasons why he's successfully uh you know landed kind of historic levels of draft capital in a couple of trades right the brooklyn trade and the minnesota trade both had new owners looking to make an immediate splash in the markets they were in um that stuff matters but didn't you know the knicks are desperate yes exactly the knicks are the most desperate desperate they've ever been um, but like, I don't, I, I don't care about that. I do. I think that Ainge buys into that shit though. And like, 
I actually buy the reporting of that that's been out there on him. I think Fred Katz talked about this, uh, where he was like, "Angel set a price, and that's the price, and that's it." Like, there's no, and it actually makes sense when you look at how much we've talked about this before. We've made fun of Angel about this before, where it's like, "Oh my God, they almost made a deal." Oh my God, Ainge let this asset walk for nothing. Ainge fucked that up, right? Like the Hayward thing, Rogier. There's a list of dudes, Kyrie Irving. Like there's just there's a list of guys that he's ultimately lost for nothing. Not all of them are down to like him not pulling the trigger on deals. Like Kyrie Irving, he just that was a weird thing where he was either going to walk for nothing or he's going to stay. Um, but like. There's a lot of examples of him just not pulling the trigger on stuff and effectively wasting the asset value of a piece. I think one that actually comes to mind was Marcus Morris. Uh, he was a solid player for them. They they were way too deep during that 2018-19 season. That was a reason why I think they had so much they had so many chemistry issues. And instead of trying to consolidate or anything at the trade deadline, he just kept everybody. Rogier leaves in free agency. I guess you can call that they turned that into Kemba, but. Look at what that turned into. Uh, Marcus Morris walks for nothing. There's a bunch of dudes, right? You, you can go through the, the years on the Celtics. And it's just there. Horford was another one. Um, but like, like that is why I believe that ultimately, if nobody meets his price, he's just going to sit there and be like, okay, we'll hold on to Don Mitchell until somebody meets my totally unrealistic, not, you know, just, just stupid price. I really think he will do it just because of that, not 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 for anything else other than like like it, this is not like me being like oh my god like Trader Danny has balls of steel or like he's just so willing to. Ex- I don't even think it's about exerting leverage. I really think this guy is like I buy the reporting where it's just like he sets a price and that's the price and he lets everybody know what it is and if they need it, fantastic, you can have it because it's a deal that is in my favor. But if not, I don't care because. Even if you like, he doesn't want to make a fair trade, right? Danny Ainge will never make a fair trade. He will only try to make a trade that is absurdly in fa- in his own favor. And I'm sure there are people like, well, isn't that what he's supposed to do? Sure, to an extent. But like, you're also supposed to work with, like, if you're in business, right? You don't try to screw everybody else that's in the same business as you. Right, you might try to work with them. You might try to have some type of professional relationship with them, even if, even though you're still competitors. Not Danny Ainge. Nope. Danny Ainge is trying to completely rip you off. That's it. That's the only goal in any trade talk with him. So, like, I really, I would not surprise me if he holds him going into camp. And like, the, my my thing is, if you were the Knicks. If you really want Donovan Mitchell and you don't want to pay a premium, I think you have to be willing to do that. Because I don't buy that a week before training camp. Like I, I kind of talked myself into this, and now I just don't. Where like the more I think about it, the more I just think he's so. You know, I, I think he definitely loves the uh, the smell of his own farts, as the saying goes. Um, I think I really think he does, and. He's probably sitting there, you know, he's got all his minions in the media doing, you know, nefarious fucking, like, propaganda, CIA propaganda operations on the unassuming public. But, like, I think he hears that shit and he feels like he has to live up to it. And not even like that, he just has to, like, this is my reputation, this is it, like, I, I try to fuck teams over and that's how I, that's how I roll. Like, I really don't think he's going to budge. And I don't know if the Knicks are going to budge. I hope they don't, because I think the the bandied about price of like what would get the deal done is ludicrous to me. Like I don't even love it at the reduced price, where it's like two unprotected firsts and three protected firsts, and Grimes still goes out. Like I don't love that to be honest. Like I, I still am a little bit hesitant, but I think that's the very close to like proper value. Like I, I I I'll put it this way: that's a price where I don't like if I was playing, you know fucking my GM or something on 2K, I might not take that trade, right? Like, if if they viewed Grimes the same way I view Grimes. On 2K, they would definitely not view Grimes the same way I view Grimes. Um, but, like, 
if I was running the Knicks independent of any oversight from anybody, independent of scrutiny, just my own evaluations, I might not do that trade. But like, you know, I, I understand that I am wrong sometimes, surprisingly. Uh, and like, I would understand that there are pressures, right? Leon Rose, and not just that real, real, real pressures of like, you got like, there's a star talent available. You go get star talent. That's what wins in the NBA. He's an offensive hub. He is a name to put on the billboard. Like, I do think that stuff matters. Um, but would I like, so I, I could get, I could wrap my head around that. It's the third unprotected first that I think is like a really big deal. And if, if I was, if I was doing that pick package, I would be at the point where I'm like, if you want the picks, you don't get any players. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like just Grimes. Like, no, you don't get Grimes. You don't get Deuce. You don't get Rokas. Like, you don't want those guys anyway, right? Like, you know, if you want the pick, fine. But you don't get to have Grimes and the pick, right? Because it's not like, if it, it's not like it's one unprotected first and Grimes. It's three and Grimes. So you can do two and Grimes, or you can do three, but you're not getting both. Uh, and I, I think that needs to be the line, and I hope they hold the line, because, you know, our problems don't end uh, once we do, or if we do, acquire Donovan Mitchell. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care what anybody tells me. I really don't. John, Johnny, or sorry, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, that team is going to give up. They will be some type of dynamite offensively. I don't know what level because of another Randall issue. Uh, but like defensively, they're going to get destroyed. Like that—that's a terrible defensive lineup. And this, like, yeah, like if you want to tell me that's better than Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier as a, as a defensive backcourt, sure, fine. But like, is that—that's the standard? Like, that's—that's that's what we're going for. I, I just look, man. Donovan Mitchell had enough trouble getting hit on defense in a similarly overall bad defensive lineup with Rudy fucking Gobert as the five, who, whatever you think about him, is clear of any other drop anchor big in the NBA. He is the best one at that. And now you got Mitchell Robinson as the five? I don't know, man. I just, and I don't buy, like, Randall might try harder and whatever. Like, I, I don't, I I'm pretty out on the idea he's going to become a plus defender again or something. Brunson, we know the limitations there. Donovan Mitchell, we know that he just doesn't give a shit. And even if he does give a shit, I think there's still limitations there. Uh, and then RJ Barrett, like, nobody's, no, none of those guys is here to stop the point of attack. You know, I don't know. It's just, there's, there's so much. You're, you're trying to cover for, like, three separate guys probably in that lineup between Brunson, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Julius Randle. I don't know. It just, there's so much stuff after even like a Mitchell trade that I don't like, right? Like, it's not like even a Mitchell trade I do like. There's just still th that Randle issue is there. And then, and I think with the Randle thing, it compounds the issue of having Brunson and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt together. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's not a pretty fit. It's not one I would like for the Knicks to go into with. Um, I agree. There, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. That's why the the appeal of at least 
if you trade Donovan Mitchell and you have Obi being the four, uh, great. You have two players in, in the front court who are comfortable playing off ball, but also, you know, more so for, I guess, Mitch, because he's pretty much just more of a finisher than anything. Um, it's still a better operation. You still give a little bit more space to the other three. You don't have to worry as much. You can also work in transition. I mean, Julius isn't going to be nearly as good in transition as Obi is or would be. So it's not fun. I guess the kind of the prevailing thought for me, and I know you guys touched on this in the podcast that you did with Stacy and Conrad. It's kind of like, I think the idea that there won't be... A... I only know Conrad by his... Uh, ah, sorry. By uh, his stage name. Nick's Illustrated. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I know that the idea that there will not be another star, and that's why the Knicks need to go after Donovan Mitchell, to me, it's pretty crazy. Because obviously there will be another star in the market. Where I kind of talk myself a little bit more into the Donovan Mitchell trade, again, depending on how... The you know what's involved in sending the package out to get Donovan Mitchell, it's okay. Can you find the right star? Can you find the right star who fits exactly what you want from a positional standpoint? If you're the Knicks, can you find that player who is the right age, who's on the right contract, who lines up perfectly with what you're doing, um, and who wants to be in New York long term? And when you look at that list as time goes on. I don't think it's as long as some might think. So, like, for the conversation you guys were having, you know, I mean, I, I know I'm just going to list some of the names in general. I know there were different, different, differing opinions, but um, let's just roll through it. Right, like, obviously, Ben Simmons. Um, to me, the Knicks have no interest in Ben Simmons. He does not fit what they like to do. Um, and he's got enough issues to sort out on his own where, to me, it's almost you, you – you don't prefer Julius Randle to a player like Ben Simmons when you know what Ben Simmons' ceiling is, but at the same time, Julius Randle's ceiling arguably was higher in his All-NBA year, but it doesn't matter for either because I don't see either of them getting back to that point, and that's not what the Knicks want. Like I think the Knicks probably want to move off of Julius Randle. It's just that, okay, we're not going to go after Ben Simmons because of the physical and mental limitations that might be there. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Like there was, I know you talk of Jaron Jackson Jr. Sure, maybe, but at the same time, if you're Memphis, you're going to want something back in return. That's not a bundle of picks. You want to win. You want to win with Ja. You want to show him you're going to continue winning. And the same thing happens with Zion and Brandon Ingram, where if you're the Knicks and you want Brandon Ingram, cool. But the Pelicans are going to want, like they've got enough picks. They don't have to worry about picks. They want to keep winning around Zion Williamson because the reason they lost Chris Paul, the reason they lost Anthony Davis, they could not really win with those players on the roster. And they've learned their lesson. How do we fix that? We win. And if you're the Knicks, it's like, okay, well, you can do it. And this extends to Jalen Brown as well. You go, there are two ways to go about it, right? Number one is you get a third team involved. And that third team sends a player who is better than Brandon Ingram, better than Jason Tatum better than Jaron Jackson Jr. And that player goes to any of those teams. And then the stars that I just mentioned, if you, I guess you could call Jaron Jackson Jr. a star, but I, I don't know. It's kind of a, I think he's a really great starter. And I think he's got a lot of potential, but and it, semantics. If you then send that player to the Knicks, then that's how you could do it. It has to be a three-team deal. Or, and this extends probably more to New Orleans than it does the others. If you lock up RJ this summer, and then next summer, you try to deal for someone like Brandon Ingram. Then your matching player is R.J. Barrett. And I don't want the Knicks to trade R.J. Barrett. I know there are a lot of fans who don't want the Knicks to trade R.J. Barrett. But it's hard for me to see how you're able to get the right player to come to New York. Who's like They become available. You can find another team to help bridge the gap so that those teams get what they're looking for. And everything works out. And that brings me back to Donovan Mitchell. It's like, again, I want the price to be right. And it seems that the Knicks are standing pretty firm on that as well. But you then have to consider like these other players involved. The fact that Donovan Mitchell is even on the trade block is a rarity in itself because we don't see guys of his caliber with three years or more on the market get traded for less. I mean, 
number one at all. Number two, if it's the case of Ben Simmons, he was traded for James Harden, who was a much better player. Uh, and number three, for it not to be a star coming back for Utah, but instead a bunch of picks. So it's hard to find the right matches for all of the, that checks off every single box. And if you're the Knicks, you need that player to check off every single box. And it's why I don't love Donovan Mitchell as a player. I think he's great. I have hesitations long-term about, can you succeed? I mean, forget about Jalen Brunson for the moment. Can you succeed if you have anyone who's like 6'1 on a championship team? Case studies show that you really can't. Can you succeed if you trade a lot of assets for a start and you know you don't have a player who's better than him on the roster already? Uh, if you don't, then you're probably sinking yourself there too. So it's not easy by any stretch, obviously, but it's a matter of like if you can find a guy who, again, checks off all these boxes, fits well, and you can build around him, then I understand it. But it all comes back to it has to be the right price because if Utah's not willing to wait, then that benefits the Knicks. If Utah is willing to wait, it probably doesn't benefit the Knicks, but the price drops as well. And then you're looking at a different situation. And then I guess one more name, SGA. You know, I like SGA. I don't think I'm as crazy about him as I know a lot of Knicks fans are. It's more like, okay, well, he's starting the first year of a five-year deal. If in two years he says, I've had it, don't want to be here, get me out of here, the package for SGA is going to be the same likely as what we think it could be for Donovan Mitchell, or it's going to be more. And you might have increased competition as well to deal with that. And the Knicks assets that they have are probably going to be, I don't want to say worse, but it's like, you know, one of the benefits right now is that the Knicks have two firsts in this upcoming draft. And they probably have two in the next one, depending on the Wizards pick. And they probably have two in the year after that one. And then it might even be three. Like two years from now, some of those assets disappear and you have to turn them into something that's beneficial. So that's why I just get caught up in, yeah, maybe he's not the right star, but he makes sense for a lot of reasons. And I could understand why if you're consolidating the roster and some of the assets you have and you're basically trying to keep getting better and showing the rest of the league that you mean business, there's something to be said about that. Yeah, like, so so this is where I just, I think, so the, the like, isn't what the Knicks just did this offseason that, like, I don't think this, I think this team is good. That's that's my thing, is like, I, 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 there's this entire argument of like, we have to get Donovan Mitchell because we have to get a star. We have to get a star because we had this disaster season and everything is bad again, and got to turn it around and it's like i'm sorry i like i just feel like we're being gaslit into thinking there's this desperate need right now to accelerate the timeline or whatever and i just don't see it i'm sorry like in three years from now rj barrett will be 25 years old in three years from now emmanuel quickly will be 26 Obi Toppin will be 78 uh no he'll be what 27 in three years yeah. right? he'll, be 27. Yeah. he'll be 27 Maybe these guys won't even be here in a scenario even if we don't trade for Donovan Mitchell. Right? Grimes would be twenty-four. Mitchell Robinson would be twenty-seven. Like these guys would basically all just be entering or nearing their peak years. Like this team is not it's not at its peak and it needs a Donovan Mitchell to like advance it further. You know what I mean? Or it could it could use a Donovan Mitchell. Don't let me let me rephrase that. It could use a Donovan Mitchell to advance it further, to, like, bump it to a higher level. That's probably a better way of putting it. To maybe bump it to a higher level. But this team is going to improve next year without Donovan Mitchell. If they don't do anything from this point on, and they just go in with the roster they have, this team will be better next year because not just the young guys that I listed will be better. Jalen Brunson's entering his peak years. Isaiah Hartenstein isn't even in his peak yet. He's 24 years old. I think he might be younger than Mitch. He's, they're the same age right now in terms of feet. They're both 24. Um, like This team is pretty young, and it's going to get better just naturally because that's what young players do. And so I, I don't know. I'm a little bit hesitant to assume that uh, 
that they that anything needs to be done drastically as far as trades and stuff for Donovan Mitchell. That's that's like I just I don't think they need anything drastic to get better. And I really think this team, with the moves they've made, have opened up a chance to qualify as a six seed next year or the play-in. Or like, I don't know. Like, I, I just do. You, do they need to make a start? And then, like, the other part of it is this, and this is the thing that I don't know how to value properly necessarily. Is like, if you get Donovan Mitchell and you, you know, you're not a contender, I, that part doesn't really feel like a crisis to me, mostly because. I'm not viewing that as like why you need to go get Donovan Mitchell. Um, but like the argument being is like, well, if not Donovan Mitchell, then who? Right? Like you, you, you're finding reasons not to trade for somebody. If not him, then who? And it's like, okay, look, I, I take that, that that's a, that's, that can be frustrating. And I, I hear that. And I think it's somewhat valid, but like doing something that, is probably not going to lead to the ultimate highest level of success and could actively be an obstacle if we're talking about trading out three unprotected first, grind, you know, the, the trade that we talked about, right? That's the price you have to trade out to get it done. Like, if that's the price and Donovan Mitchell isn't that guy, but he's just the best thing available right now, I don't think that's a compelling argument to do it. I, I actually think that's like, like I yeah you're right I can't give you the answer of who should be the guy who will be the guy who will come available that we will trade for I can't give you that answer and that sucks but like spending the the resources you've accumulated for a guy that probably isn't the answer and you just need to further you're going to need to figure out a way to get another guy and leverage more assets to go get that guy I, I don't know I I just find that kind of like I, I don't see how that makes any sense either. Um I think there's more logic and I'll use these trades as examples. They're not obviously direct parallels because there's you know every circumstance is different. But I think a lot of times you regret the trades you make because you feel like you have to do it and because you're chasing something versus staying away from those trades. And as an example, I think Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks are a great example of this. They have Luka Doncic on a rookie deal. They, they already can tell he's a generational talent, which is fair. He is a generational talent. What is their response? Let's roll the dice big and go get fucking Christoph Porzingis. We don't know if this gives us a championship ceiling, but these two guys fit together probably maybe whenever he gets back from injury. We'll take on the shitty contracts to make it happen. Obviously, the Knicks wouldn't be doing in this scenario. Not exactly. Not a one-for-one thing. But the idea being you're, you're hamstringing yourself in terms of the ability to trade pick capital now at this point to improve your roster for quite a bit, right? And, like, has that ruined Dallas? No, it hasn't ruined them, but that's because Luka is a generational talent. I don't think the Knicks have anybody that is close to that level. Um, and I don't think like they don't have anybody to bail them out of a bad situation right the way that Luca can bail out the Mavericks from a bad situation and that that's one that I think is like an example of don't go for it too soon just because you like want it to be the case you know ultimately this is the thing the Knicks haven't actually they only really started rebuilding in the 2018-19 season, right? That was like the first time they really were just like, yeah, we're going to suck, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and they didn't even really rebuild during the 2019-20 season because Steve Mills and Scott Perry signed a bunch of one-year vets. I actually don't hate what they did, but like they were obviously not trying to tank and rebuild, right? And this front office hasn't tried to tank and rebuild when they took over in their two years, I do think they've done a better job of rebuilding and they've added young talent. But like, if you ultimately judge rebuilding on the, in terms of how many young guys you have in your roster, how many rookie scale young guys you have in your roster, we have a bunch, but they're not like, I mean, RJ's entering, he just finished year three. Is that really go time? Like, 
and I, I don't mean that you don't try to get better. I'm happy they try to get better this offseason. But I think there's a difference between trying to get better and just being like, it's time to take a big fucking cut because we've got to do it right now. Like, uh, won't that opportunity exist in two years, three years, if you keep your picks, keep your ammo, like, if you keep your ammo, like, that chance will always be there. So wait for the better guy. I'm sorry I can't tell you who it is, but wait for the better guy because I really, like, you look at Donovan Mitchell, he has not made an All-NBA team. He's 25 years old. That's not the end of the world that he hasn't made an All-NBA team. But you have to be clear that, like, if you're trading this type of package out for him, he has to get better. Uh, the bet is that he gets better, and he becomes a close-to perennial All-NBA type player. If you believe that, then I can see the... I see it, the vision. I can get that sell a little bit more. I don't know if I'm really there with him. Um, you know, I, I think offensively he's really, really good. What does he have to get better at? Probably distribution, decision-making type of stuff, shot selection. So, like, that, there's definitely some stuff there. Defensively, he has to get better at basically everything. And, man, I don't like betting on somebody who's been in the league with an established track record of really bad defense. And now you're trading on all this stuff, and you're like, well, he'll just be better on defense. You know, like, it usually does not ever work out like that. So, I don't know. Again, I, 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 I do feel like a coward being like, don't don't trade all this stuff because it's not the right guy. But I ultimately do feel like that. And and I I don't consider myself, you know, we I've made fun of, like, Danny Ainge. He always hoarded stuff. You got to take the swing sometimes. And I, I feel like, could accuse me of being a hypocrite. I don't know that I am. I just think the price is out of whack for Donovan Mitchell. And and also, I, you know, if you told me the same package or even a more expensive package for somebody like, I don't know, pick a like if it was twenty five year old Paul George, I would be a lot more willing to give out this type of deal because that's a legitimate two way player. That's like a guy you're like he adds value even he, on his off scoring nights. He can help us win basketball games. Donovan Mitchell cannot help you win basketball games on his off-scoring nights. You know what I mean? Like he's not helping you at all on the other end of the floor. So it's a it's a really tricky one. I I do understand where people like I think Prez is a lot more about training for Donovan Mitchell than I am, or uh, your co-host Jonathan Macri. Like I understand that point of view. I just feel like it's a little bit it's some kind of combination of impatience and FOMO. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.